This week's episode of To The Top Talk is brought to you by CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com Talking Southern Miss athletics with some pretty knowledgeable Southern Miss fans. Great place to go, unvarnished, unfiltered. You won't have to sift through the propaganda. Southern Miss fans, check it out. CollegeSportsUnfiltered.com Hey, it's Frank Caliendo, and I'll be back in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Yes, Miss- I should have fixed this. Hattiesburg, Mississippi, uh, for the fourth annual Last for Life comedic event. Mississippi, of course, home of Morgan Freeman and Brett Favre. August 2nd, might have said that already, and we'll see you there. Hakuna Potato. You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Every day, anything we do is Southern Miss to the top. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey. I'm Jamie Arrington. He's Jason Bailey. Take it away, Jason. Greetings and salutations, you guys. It is a beautiful day in the neighborhood, and we got some rain. Rain. I, I feel it on my fingertips. If this is your first time listening to the show, we are here to give you a break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda in the mainstream sports media to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. Of course, we've got a lot to talk about today. We had the Baton Rouge Regional this past weekend. Also, the Major League Baseball draft is actually going on as we are recording this. So hopefully some Golden Eagles will be taken before we finish the show, or more Golden Eagles will be taken. But uh, before we get to that, a couple of quick announcements. This Friday night at Brewski's here in Hattiesburg, we've got Hub City Comedy's ninth anniversary show. It's going to start at 8 p.m. Tickets are $5. That's Friday, June the 7th, C15 of the area's best stand-up comedians. If you'd like to support the show, do the top talk. Check us out, patreon.com slash to the top talk. There's different options, different tiers. Um, just go give it a look if you're interested in that or even advertising on the show. We do it through our Patreon page. All right. So let's get to it. The Baton Rouge Regional. We touched on it last week. Southern Miss back in the postseason heading to Baton Rouge, the regional hosted by the Louisiana State Tigers. LSU is the number one seed. Arizona State number two. Southern Miss number three. Stony Brook, Brook number four. The first game, the first game, the Golden Eagles came out with a bang, taking on the two seed. Arizona State Sun Devils coming away with a 15-3 victory. I mean, what a showing, right? Um, the game was kind of moving a little slowly, I think, for quite a while. And uh, and then uh, the fifth inning happened. <laughs> and, uh, and and the Golden Eagles just kind of went off with that 12-run uh, fifth. It lasted, last I checked, I think like 45 minutes. I remember I tweeted out at one point, like, I was so much younger when the fifth inning started. Um, but it was the truth, man. Uh, it, it, the hits just kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And I uh, started off by, you know, none other than, none other than uh, Storm Cooper, who um, who kind of came of age during the uh, conference tournament. So fantastic effort all the way around. The um, And after that 12-run fifth, just for good measure, added a three-run eighth inning in. Ended up with 17 hits. Just a few of the stats here real quick. Storm Cooper, three for five, three RBIs with a home run. Danny Lynch, three for five, four RBIs with a home run. Walner, two for four, four RBIs with a home run. Um, and then just to add uh, insult to injury, Montenegro, Slater, and Franklin, each with two hits apiece. So um, 
As far as the offensive side, I thought that was the story of the game, just the fifth inning alone. But don't forget, also, um, the I guess the, the second part of the story, or maybe the first part, but definitely a part of the story was Gabe Shepard. He just really he stepped on the mound. Nobody knew what to expect, really. We knew he had a cannon of an arm. We knew he showed out in the conference tournament, throwing a no-no. Um, but stepping on the uh, mound against Arizona State, an Arizona State team that led the nation in home runs, you know, you just kind of hoped that he would. The moment wouldn't be too big for him, and it wasn't. Uh, he 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 was in the upper 90s pretty much all game long, through five and two thirds, four strikeouts. Um, I mean, what can you say? What can you say about Gabe Shepard's effort? A fun fact about Gabe Shepard. I found this out after the show last week. So Gabe Shepard's uncle was Seymour back in 1999. He was, he was Seymour with me back in the day. We also went to high school together, Clint McPhail. And I don't even know that Gabe was born at the time, time that me and Clint were Seymour. So that's kind of a cool little Southern misconnection there. But Gabe, you, you talk about Gabe, Gabe, the two things I'll say about Gabe, he is intense. And he's got the swagger. Sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's almost one of those deals where I'm, 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 I know I would love to play with him. Uh, I'm not sure I would like to play against him. <laughs> yeah. But, but with a lot of guys, that's, that's just how it is. And, um, he is a just straight, just killer on the mound and lets you know about it. And I like that. You know, you like some intensity out there. And, um, he's got it. He's got it in space. He almost has like a, like a closer's mentality, really. But he just does it all game. And the, and the velocity didn't slow down. Um, that first inning, I want to say he hit 96, maybe 97 a couple times. So he, I, at least I was hoping that it wasn't going to fizzle out as the game went along and it didn't. Uh, all the way up until the end right there when he got pulled, I think he was still in that 95 range. I mean, that's that's special stuff right there. And for a kid who didn't, as far as I know, didn't pitch a single inning his entire senior year, um, that is that that is fantastic to come in as, as a freshman and uh, and be able to pull that off. So looking looking forward to seeing a whole lot more of that at the peak uh, coming next year. And the losing pitcher for Arizona State, Alec Marsh, was taken with the 70th pick in the Major League Baseball draft this week by the Royals. Hmm. Just a little fun fact there. So uh, he kind of he he was pretty solid up there until that fifth inning, and then he just got lit up. Well, you know they mentioned that during the broadcast. They said, "Hey, if you take away these two <laughs> these two starts, <laughs> his numbers are great." I'm like, "Well, that's that doesn't make any sense." That's like saying when I'm on the golf course, like don't pay attention to that 90 that I shot, just pay attention to the 75. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I couldn't understand why they kept making that point, but um, I guess to their point, yeah, he can look really good, and then he can get really lit up. And we saw both of it, I guess. So then we move on. So the Golden Eagles move on in the winner's side of the bracket. I guess that's what you call it. And later that evening on May the 31st on Friday, uh, LSU defeats Stony Brook 17-3. to So you had the first two games extremely lopsided in both of them. So the next day, uh, the morning game in the loser's bracket, Arizona State defeated Stony Brook 13 to 5, Stony Brook is eliminated. Then we move on to the winner's bracket, LSU defeating Southern Miss 8 to 4 in the box. I thought LSU threw three guys. I, I thought they threw their three best guys. I, 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 if anybody listens to this podcast, you know, I just pay attention to Southern Miss and that's it. But I mean, good gosh almighty. They threw three guys in a row in that 94 to 97 range. 
Um, the Braves can't do that, you know? <laughs> so, um, it was just a carbon copy of the previous guy, every guy that stepped on the mound. And, you know, not that you can't hit a fastball, but it, there gets a point to where, um, you expect the bullpen to, uh, to, to be a little, um, a little more hittable than the, uh, than the starter. And it just didn't happen. All that being said, um, only lost the game eight to four. We're down four to nothing when Matthew Gidry, um, stepped up to the plate and tied it up with a grand slam that well, in the uh, seventh inning. Off a knee. Yeah. I don't know what this knee thing is, <laughs> but I, 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 I tell you what, you're going go to go swinging <laughs> and it, he had a knee on the ground. Yeah, and he did it several times. Um, it's it's one of those deals where I bet you're going to go out to Oak Grove Optimus Park, <laughs> and you're going to see like half the left-handed hitters going down to a knee, <laughs> you know, and coaches <laughs> with their hands on their heads. But um, man, um, that 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 was that was a huge huge moment. I was going crazy, um, and and I thought Walker Powell looked good for for USM before the game even started. His jersey was completely soaked. That's how hot it was. And, and I thought he gave us everything that he had. Um, even though I thought he looked spent towards the end, but you're looking at five and a third, seven hits, two runs, two Ks. That's Walker Powell. That's what he does. He comes in. He, he, he really turned into that Friday night guy. And he's a guy that every time he, he stepped on the mound, you knew that USM was going to have a chance. He might not necessarily go out and dominate, but he's always going to give you a chance to win the ball game. And he did the same thing, uh, against LSU. And I was at a wedding uh, the other night, so I was having to keep up with this inadvertently um, during the service as well as – but I, I get the reception, I get my plate of food, I sit down at the table, and I pull up the phone, and it was like right when the Grand Slam was going down. Oh, wow. Couldn't have been any more – so I got to see the highlight, you know, at least. But, um, you know, that's a tough place to play, and, uh, you know, you're kind of getting to the point where – when it when it was tied, you know, you just knew like, okay, we got a shot to win this. But when it got kind of out of hand, it was kind of like, uh, it, you could tell it was going to be a tough go to get back into the game there at the end. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it did have that feeling, but a lot of it. I mean, part of it, you really have to tip your cap to LSU just for just for being able to run those guys out. And their guy didn't pitch a lot either. You know, their no. starter was 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 very very similar to to Gabe Shepard, really. It's like their own version of Gabe Shepard. You know, there's like a foot taller and probably weighed like 60 more pounds, but still, you know, mid to upper 90s guy didn't pitch a lot the entire year, true freshman, and you know, believe the hype. And uh, I'm really glad we're not going to have to face that guy on an every year basis um starting next year, but but we also handled. I, th- I thought we we just held our own, you know, yeah, in definitely. that true like Southern Miss way, where it's, it, it kind of looks like maybe you shouldn't, and then we do, and then some guy like Matthew Gidry just you know hits an absolute rocket over the right field fence to to give you a shot, and you know I, even though it was a loss, I, I felt pretty good going into the next day. Well, and you know that at this point, so we're heading into Sunday. You, you're in an elimination game with Arizona State. You knew that our pitching. Was was starting to uh, deplete. Our our bullpen was depleting mm-hmm. swiftly. So for for us to be able to contend uh, for the regional title, we were going to have to find the bats <laughs> and at least piecemeal this uh, pitching staff together to try to get through the regional. So the, uh, at two o'clock on Sunday, June second, Southern Miss takes on Arizona State, and what a game it was. 
with the Golden Eagles coming back at the end to salvage the win and get the 13-12 to victory over the Sun Devils. It didn't look great uh, for the longest time. You um, you mentioned that the hitters were going to have to come around. Well, I think uh, even the, the hitters realized that pretty quick in this one. Is you know Stevie went out and you know, Stevie, you know, bless his heart, he's had the torn labrum all year long. He's fought through it. Uh, Stevie just didn't have it, um, and and we were down really really quick. Uh, in fact, we tra- we trailed ten to two in the fifth inning. From the fifth inning on, we scored 11 runs. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, I mean, Arizona State had to probably be, be feeling pretty good about themselves halfway through that game. But, um, but you know, like I said, we, we and, you know, seven runs scored in the eighth and the ninth combined. Uh, and that includes four in the bottom of the ninth to win it. Um, your boy, Gabe Montenegro. Gabe Montenegro. All right. Uh, five for six, three runs scored, two RBIs, the game-winning hit through the right side. With two outs in the bottom of the ninth for the walk off, um, it was the stuff of fairy tales, and and you and it. Uh, I'm trying to think of what it reminded me of as far as just a comeback of that magnitude. It's almost like one of those come from behind victories that we seem to do against Louisiana Tech in uh, football all the time, <laughs> <laughs> or the Patriots going. I mean, the uh, Falcons going down in the Super Bowl. I don't know, but you're down ten to two halfway through the game. Uh, with, like you said, a depleted pitching staff against one of the better hitting teams in the country, um, you can't be feeling great about yourself, right? And somehow these guys just pull it out. I don't know. I mean, you know, let's, let's give some credit where credit is due here. Let's get, get some credit to Barry and to Ostrander and Kaye and Volmuth and everybody for just keeping these guys in it. And, um, and, and also let's give a little bit of credit to Hunter Stanley, who I thought came in and threw four absolutely crucial innings. Um, Brent Blaylock with the, uh, was credited with the W with one inning pitch, but without Stanley in those four innings that he threw, um, we, we, we don't win that game. So there's so many things that went into it, but those are a few of the, of, of the bright spots and a few of the heroes. And, and, um, and, and we definitely couldn't, couldn't have done it without the entire team effort. And like you said, Montenegro going five for six at the plate. I mean, with the clutch hit right there at the end to, uh, to get the victory. And then after the game, he was being interviewed and they were like, I mean, it was so hot out and these guys were just melting <laughs> and they were like, what are you going to do? He's like, Oh, I'm going to go to the hotel, lay down and eat some bananas. It was just, it was, it was, it was just classic. So the bananas got to be the joke for the, for the rest of the evening, the other night, yeah. but dude, it was, yeah, it was so exciting. And you're, you're kind of at a point, at least me personally, it's always disappointing when you don't, um, win, obviously, uh, and really, there's only one team that the season doesn't end in, in some kind of disappointment. <laughs> but um, I kind of felt you were really proud at the way that the team battled in that game and the way they came back. And kind of at that point, you know, the, the cards were stacked against them going into the nightcap. But I think everybody was just proud of the way they came out there and played. It was, um, you know. We talk about um, like what Southern Miss means, um, in, in that people have thrown words around like grit, toughness, uh, hard work, family, that kind of thing. And I thought it all was kind of on display um, during this tournament, and maybe during the conference tournament as well. But I thought especially uh, during this tournament, maybe because of the fan support that we had at the box. I know it's only two, two and a half hours away from here, but. Um, you know, Southern Miss really, really traveled 
traveled well. And and you mentioned something to me when we were talking a few days ago that that Nick Suss, uh, he 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 was doing an interview and he said that Southern Miss always wants to prove that they belong. And I thought there was some of that going on too. And and I thought that we proved that we did in every sense of the word. And and and, and could have came away with the with with the victory um, right there at the end and forced the final game, but it, it just made me proud. I don't know about you, just the whole thing. I, it, we didn't win it, and I, I want to go all the way, and I want to see a national title just like everybody else does. But you 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 talk about leaving it all on the field, and um, you know, analytics be damned and all that, and and we I, I thought that we we showed the Southern Miss way to everybody, and and I, I, I'm I'm still super duper proud. You mentioned Hunter Stanley a minute ago. I forgot to say this. A little tidbit about Hunter Stanley. His grandmother was a former Miss Hattiesburg. Getting all the tidbits huh. on the players here today. <laughs> wow. Um, so, so let's talk about that, that, that nightcap, that LSU game. So Southern Miss taking on uh, Louisiana State Sunday, June the 2nd, the second game of the day for the Golden Eagles. And, LSU comes away with a four to six hard fought victory that they didn't pull out till right there towards the end. Well, it was a quick turnaround. Uh, it was, they had to, the kids had to, I know they're 20 year old kids, but you had to have been, if not physically exhausted, mentally exhausted after having to come back from, you know, from the huge deficit from the game before. And on top of that, we were kind of wondering who was going to pitch against Arizona State. Now, I think it gets to the point now where you just go, even though I knew we had a few arms in the bullpen, you almost, uh, in the, in the dugout or in the, uh, in the bus in between games, you almost had to go to the team and say, all right, raise your hand if you've ever thrown a pitch off of a pitching mound before. <laughs> because it was really getting there, you know, getting down towards the end with, you know, Ryan Ock was being out. You knew that, uh, Shepard wasn't going to have any chance of, of coming back. Um, uh, Powell through the second day. So, I mean, there, there's nothing going. For, oh, and uh, Strickland. Strickland's got an arm issue. Yeah, Everybody had to be wondering, like, what in the world is going on? JC Keys is already throwing a little bit. So, uh, enter Josh Lewis, right? And Josh yeah. Lewis stepped the hell up. <laughs> I mean, this guy came in and it didn't look good from the very first pitch of the game. <laughs> very first pitch that he throws. Um, with 10,000 crazy fans screaming, um, is a solo shot over <laughs> the right field wall. Um, and you got to wonder at that point, you know, is he going to kind of cave under the pressure? But hell no, through his game, I thought he came out and, and just did wonders. Um, ended up with six inning pitched. Um, and just like I said, kept us in it. He was locked in all night long, barely showed any emotion and, um, threw a ton of strikes. Uh, th- that's something that kind of gets, I guess, all teams in trouble from time to time. But I think Josh kind of proved, you know, go out there, throw strikes, just keep throwing strikes, hit your spots. And if you can keep a team like LSU just at bay a little bit, it gives yourself a uh, a chance to win. Really kind of like the left-handed version of what Walker Powell does all the time. So that was fantastic to see. And, and don't forget Adam Jackson came in and did two solid innings himself. So, um I, I thought I thought those two guys in particular just gave us a shot and um and came up a little bit short. But I think a lot of teams and I don't know about you, but I I think a lot of teams across the country, after going through what we went through like two hours earlier, would have probably just you know, hey, that's we did good enough, right? A lot of teams would have just gotten destroyed in that second game. 
Um, but USM showed that, that you always come back to that same word, but we showed some grit and some fortitude and just left it all out there and just came up just a little bit short. And showed that, showed that we belonged. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, this is, I know we, we said that earlier, but yeah, that, that's exactly what happened. And, um, you know, Gabe Montenegro with, with the homer there in the fourth to put Two the Eagles hits. on the board. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what, what, what were his stats on the tournament? I think he has five hits one game, two hits one game. I think two hits. I mean, how many hits do he have? Like 11? You know, I'm not 100% sure on that, but it was definitely up there. Good gosh. What a, what a, what a dude. What a family. <laughs> what a, uh, what a tournament he had. And we've got, what, two more years of Mr. Montenegro in the black and gold. So awesome. You mentioned Adam Jackson, and I believe his, he had two sisters who were diamond darlings. In the past. So there's another little fun fact about this Golden Eagle baseball team. This whole family thing I was talking about earlier is is, 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 di- is diving even deeper. It's diving even deeper. What, <laughs> and Hunter Slater's dad was an offensive tackle. I mean, there's all kind of little – at USM, like back in the 80s, I mean, there's all kind of little tidbits that, you know, are pretty cool. Maybe one of these days they'll say, hey, Jack Bailey's dad did a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Jack <laughs> – to play that clip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Uh, so LSU getting the 6-4 victory, eliminating the Golden Eagles, and ending the season for Southern Miss. The, on the all-tournament team, Southern Miss had a couple of guys get the nod. Uh, Matt Gidry, Gabe Montenegro, and Matt Walner. And then they had co-most outstanding players, and Gabe Montenegro was one of the two. Wow. Did not know that. So pretty outstanding there. It's hard. To, it's hard to deny those stats, though. And he was all over the place. Uh, made some made some great defensive plays as well. And um, you know, as, as somebody that you want to go ahead and if you're if you're a young player out there looking for somebody to model your game after, you can pick a lot of them. Um, but it's hard to go wrong with guys like with guys like Montenegro and, and Gidry. I mean, I guess there's a bunch of them, but um, guys that just do it the right way and give it all they got every time they go out there. So. Very, very, very glad to have Mr. Montenegro on board for the next couple seasons. Before we get to the Major League Baseball draft, a little tidbit on one of the players who was drafted last year, Nick Sandlin, getting called up to Triple A. He's heading to the Columbus Clippers in the Cleveland Indians organization. So congratulations to Nick Sandlin. We had a feeling that he was going to escalate through the ranks rather swiftly. That is really quick. And he has done just that. So doesn't sound like it's going to be long for Nick Sandlin before he gets the call up to the majors. No, it doesn't at all. A lot of times you make that jump from AA, too. Um, maybe the AAA club's just a little closer geographically. I don't know. But uh, one more step to realizing the dream. You know, I remember in my in my interview with, with Mark Maddox, he talked about, you know, it's a grind. It's different from college baseball. The minors are, are you know, it's, you're still playing baseball for a living, but it's just a different kind of thing, right? But – in, in, in return for that, uh, it's like the best payday of all time <laughs> if you make it up to the major league. So good on, good on Nick. And, um, and if he, if, like when, I'm not even going to say if, when he does get that shot, uh, his, the, the, what he brings to the table is probably going to allow him to stick around for quite a while, you know, barring injury. Um, he threw like, what, 92 to 95 from like four different arm angles. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. so, 
That's going to be cool, man. That's, I mean, when's the last time Sutter Miss has had this many guys? We have lots of guys knocking on the door. It's possible we're going to have, you know, five, six guys in the major leagues at the same time. Like, you know, pretty quickly. Um, I don't know if that's ever been done. So, hmm. Good times to be a Sutter Miss fan. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the draft. So the Major League Baseball draft has been going on the past couple of days. Um, you know, June 3rd through today, June the 5th. The first pick for Southern Miss came in the uh, CBA round, which is kind of in between the first and second round, just constellation picks. Matt Walner with pick 39 heading to his hometown team, the team he grew up watching and idolizing, the Minnesota Twins. So Matt Walner, drafted by the Minnesota Twins with the 39th pick, he was also selected back in the 2016 draft by the Twins with the 963rd pick. So he has improved his spot, his slot by 924 draft picks <laughs> in his three years at Southern Miss. So, man, outstanding. Congratulations to Matt Warner. I mean, that is, we knew that he was going to go early, but, uh, you know, and you kind of had a hunch. And I'm going to tell you why I think this was meant to be is I was kind of prepping up for the night of the draft and I was trying to get a photo together of Matt Warner just to have for when he was drafted. And I was like, what are the odds that he would go to the Twins? So I put a draft in my Twitter folder with a picture of Matt when he was like Minnesota Player of the Year. And he was at the Twins game. He had on a Twins jersey. And he was like giving a fist bump to Brian Dozier. And I had this draft saved in my phone before the draft started. And I just kind of took a stab. I looked at the picks. And I said, okay, 39th pick. So I literally wrote this in the drafts in my phone. And it ended up being the exact, I mean, I was like, I could change it if he gets drafted here, there, whatever, if he goes to the actual twins. But I had it down to the pick of, you know, when he was going where, and I had to change nothing. It was ready. So with the 39th pick in the 2019 Major League Baseball draft, the twins select Southern Miss outfielder Matt Walner. I had this in my drafts. I beat the Major League Baseball draft on their post (laughs) by like five minutes. Because I was so ready for that moment, but it was it, it it was meant to be. That's what I'm saying. I don't deserve any credit for being a nerd, and I'm just saying like it was meant to be because it just feels right. Matt going back to the Twins. I'll tell you what. The next time I go down to the casinos, uh, I know who's riding shotgun. <laughs> you got another friend you need to take to the casinos rather than me. That's true. That's very true. <laughs> but no, man. Yeah, you know, I remember I. I uh, I text you right when you put it out. I said, man, that was quick, <laughs> you know, Johnny on the spot. But I mean, what, what a, what a fairy tale. I mean, you want to say a fairy tale ending to Matt Walner's career. His career's not over by any means. Um, this is, it's gotta be just a, just a dream come true. I mean, anybody who gets to sign on that dotted line and further their career in professional ranks, that's a pretty special moment to be that. I guess you call it a second round pick. It's kind of like in between. It's like a sandwich pick between the first and the second. I think they would technically um, classify it as a first round because the okay. second round didn't start to like pick forty, I think. Yeah, pick it's, it's that weird little compensatory, whatever you know, kind of in between. Um, but to, I mean, it's just it, it's 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 um, it's just amazing. It, it's amazing for it all to kind of be working out. And, and don't forget, I mean, this is also an organization where you're, you're not going to get. Um, you you can play your way through the ranks, um, kind of on merit. Uh, whereas, like a, a good friend of mine who got drafted by the Yankees, 
you can be as good as you want to. And he was, and he was triple A player of the year. And then as soon as he gets called up to the big leagues, they trade for Gary Sheffield, right? <laughs> Cause they get more money than everybody. And, um, but you know, the, the twins are, are, are a team that you can, that you can work your way up just based truly on merit. And, uh, he's got all the tools to do it. I really, really hope that we get to watch him play in a major league uniform for, for years and years and years to come. And he acts like a guy who's, who's, who's not going to forget where he came from. Um, roundabout way of getting to Hattiesburg. But I think since he's gotten here, uh, he and his family both have really just, just kind of taken Hattiesburg in. Um, as, as their own. And we've taken them in as well. And, you know, you, you kind of hope that they don't forget where they came from, no matter if it's football, baseball, basketball, but he really seems like the kind of guy that won't. Well, like Dozier, you know, um, so just, I, but selfishly, you know, I, I just look forward to, to watching him play, uh, in, in, in the major leagues. Uh, and he's got, he's got some work to do, you know, before he gets there, but with the kind of talent that he has, um, it'd be hard. You'd be hard pressed to find a way that he wouldn't at least get the shot. So, looking forward to watching it happen. And the draft is kind of going on right now as we speak. Um, as of this moment, there's only one other Golden Eagle that was drafted, uh, and I'm talking about J.C. Keys, pick 23. Oh, excuse me, round 23, pick 684. J.C. Keys to the Cincinnati Reds. Now, this is a guy that you can speak a little on. Yeah, JC and I go back a long way, and he's never changed uh, as a person. He's always been yes sir, no sir. I mean, I I think he, he still calls me coach. I coached this guy when he was like ten and eleven years old, <laughs> but even back then he had an absolute cannon, and uh, I didn't know he was going to end up throwing like you know ninety six occasionally. But as far as being draftable, um, you know, JC has the stuff. Uh, you hear that word thrown around a lot. But he's got one of the best curveballs in the country, um, that 12 to 6 curve. Um, he can throw a cutter, but the reason that you get drafted is because you have the ability to throw upper 90s. So we all thought that he was, and that's something that you just can't teach. You can work on a lot of the other pitches, but you, you can't work on just straight velocity, not that much. It's not like you can draft a guy throwing 88 and make him throw 98. So, um, so that's something that, that coaches are going to be able to work with. And you know he's got the potential to hang around a little while. It's going to be up to him whether he can, whether whether he you know and you know barring injury again, how long he stays in the professional ranks. But he's got something that a lot of guys don't have. And hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, he will uh, make the most make the uh, most of it. A couple of other draft picks of note. Um, in the ninth round, this is pick 277, the Atlanta Braves selected Cody Milligan, who was uh, a signee from Cowley County Community College. He originally played at Oklahoma State. Uh, this is a guy that I think was going to step in and be our starting catcher. But uh, being a ninth-round pick, I'm not sure exactly what his plans are. We also had another signee, uh, Dallas Dyer of Clinton High School. Round 21, pick 630, he was taken by the Philadelphia Phillies. So it'll be interesting to see what these guys, uh, what what their plans are for the future, and it, whether or not they're going to be Golden Eagles. Well, you'd hate to, you'd hate to lose the catcher. You hate to lose any of them, but um, we could use the catcher <laughs> starting next year. So, um, but you know, whatever decision they make, you know, and it's also it's good that USM can be in a position where you can go out and you can, you can recruit guys uh, like that. And have them commit. And at the other, the other side of that is, 
you know, if you if you feel like they might sign, why would you go recruit them as hard? Well, you do it because not everybody can, you know. Um, so it's, it's nice to be a program that can go out and get that caliber of player and hopefully ends up coming to USM and improve that draft status a little bit. Ninth round is kind of a fuzzy situation. Um, I don't know exactly what I would do. Uh, I would like to think that I would come to Southern Miss and try to improve that ninth round status to like a, I don't know, third round status. But uh, you don't want that ninth round status to become no status, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so who knows, man? I guess it just remains to be seen. How, how long do they have before they have to before they can sign? You know, that's a good question. I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. Okay. Well, we know it's not you know like tomorrow. So we'll do a little research and uh, I guess hit on that next week. So speaking of the devil, we got a very very special guest on the show right now fresh off of being drafted into the major leagues he is the home, current home run king here at southern miss please welcome our guest today matt walner so i went to minneapolis for the second time back this fall and i think i had a ham and pear sandwich uh, some cheese curds. What what is the Minnesota food that everybody should try when they get get up go up there? Um, definitely probably freshwater fish in the sense of like walleye. Um, oh yeah, that's definitely uh, kind of the the uh, go to for me and and um, kind of I guess people up there if you're if you're into fish. Um, not uh, you know it's not as crazy as down here with like the southern foods, but <laughs> that's definitely one you got to hit up. I did try a Minnesota. It was like the name of the company was Minnesota, and they had like I, I like looking for knockoff Dr. Peppers, and they had a, a Dr. Better was their version of Dr. Pepper. So it was uh, it was a good time. Okay, yeah, I've never heard of that, but that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so this week you get drafted for the second time by the Minnesota Twins. Where did you spend that moment, and what was that moment like when you were drafted? Um, just surreal. But uh, I was at I was at my house here in Hattiesburg. Um, had my parents there, um, a bunch of my teammates, my girlfriend, and, and two of my best friends from high school uh, came in town for it. And uh, it was just you know surrounded by everyone who, um, you know, barring a few who I or not barring a few, but um, I wish there could have been a couple more people there. But other than that, I mean, everyone, um, you know, who would have wanted there, and it was awesome. And uh, just had a kind of a fun, fun night. And um, just I tried to stay away from thinking about the draft for the most part that day, but obviously it was um, inevitable. And uh, just watched hockey beforehand and, and started watching the draft about pick 31, 32, where I thought, um, didn't think I was going to get picked there, but where the, it started to get a little bit more real for me. It, off the topic here, did you play hockey growing up? Um, no, but I, I do go home and play pond hockey. I wish that's, that's one of my biggest regrets going up or growing up was just not playing hockey. I love hockey, love watching hockey and, and messing around on the lakes and, and the rinks. Um, but I wish I would have played hockey, but I played basketball throughout high school. So everybody that's listening to this is probably either a Southern Miss fan or a Twins fan. So they know that you're from Minnesota. The Twins were your team growing up. What is it like going to the team you grew up dreaming of playing for? 
gosh, it's just a dream come true. Um, you know, I, I felt that in high school. I was actually had a, a crazy, kind of a crazy story. I was actually at the Twins game when I got drafted in high school. And uh, so I got to go into the draft room and, and kind of see um, some of the ins and outs of it there. But obviously, I was 32nd round and kind of not a realistic possibility that I was going to sign, but still an awesome experience. So I got a taste of that. And, um, you know, ever since then, uh, I definitely wanted to be a twin and, and have been um, had that desire since I was, you know, five, ten years old watching watching the twins growing up. But um, it's just surreal and uh, the best feeling in the world. Um, there's definitely not a, a team really even close to uh, the twins that I would have liked to go to more so than them. So it's just a dream come true. We had another Southern Miss great play for the twins. Have you had any conversations with Brian Dozier? Um, in the past, yes, but I've not talked to him since, but, uh, I mean, I, I've got my Dozier jersey in my closet and, and, um, um, uh, Tweety, my roommate, he was wearing it all night, um, after, after the fact. So that was pretty cool. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's definitely, uh, one of the best guys I've ever met just, uh, from a personal standpoint off the field of baseball. And, um, it's just really cool to kind of, uh, following his footsteps a little bit coming out of Southern Miss. Who were some of your favorite Twins players growing up? Um, I would say my favorite was definitely uh, Justin Morneau, kind of being – he's being a, a northern guy like me. He was a Canadian, actually. But um, he's a big left-handed bat with, with power, tall guy kind of like me. And um, so he was definitely my favorite. But, you know, loved Joe Maurer growing up, uh, being growing up about 20 minutes away from him. And him being a, um, a Minnesota and uh, a Twins guy through and through, and you know Johan Santana, watching him when I was younger, Tori Hunter, and uh, Michael Kadir, and so much more. But um, it was just a fun time to grow up as a Twins fan in my younger years. And you know, Target Field—that's an amazing area down there. It is. It is. It's it's so much fun. I mean, I I grew. I've been to Target Field a, a good amount of times, but I really grew up going to the Metrodome, which uh, was uh, a fun place to go to too. But definitely um, outdated as the years went on. But that was uh, both those places were were awesome to watch the Twins at. Well, before you completely get out of Mississippi. Let's talk a little bit about your time at Southern Miss. So you had quite the story. You originally signed with North Dakota. Their baseball team was disbanded. How did you end up at Southern Miss? Um, yeah, I know it's, it's, it is a crazy story. You're right. Um, but yeah, I found out first game of my senior year, um, that, uh, their program got cut actually after the game. And, um, it was, it's pretty emotional. Um, and I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, the year before, I was six foot four, 190 pounds, and um, threw about 84 miles an hour and hit 330 with two homers as a junior in high school. So I didn't know what my options would be going into my senior year um, after North Dakota was cut. But I gained some weight and kind of gave myself some more opportunities. And uh, the, the head coach at North Dakota, he coached at I think Bevel State in Alabama against uh, Kai and and uh, Barry when they were at Meridian. So they kept in touch through the years, and that connection just uh, prompted Coach Federico, who's now at ULM, to uh, come up and and um, watch me play. And I was fortunate enough to come on a visit and just fell in love with Southern Miss and 
in Hattiesburg and went on a couple of visits after that and just walking on campus of those places. I mean, no disrespect to them, but it just wasn't the same. And, uh, I, I really knew that when I, when I saw those other schools that Southern Miss was for me. How, how big of a culture shock was it coming all the way across the country? Um, definitely some, but I've always kind of been an independent guy. I wanted something new. Um, the biggest thing for me was just the heat coming down here. Um, coach fed, well, I was, he was, that was kind of his guy. And obviously Ty is a little bit too, but coach fed can't watch me. So, um, I was his guy coming in and, uh, he was just, he was just looking at me die the first couple of days of practice in the heat. I'd never been through anything like it. So that was, that was the biggest shock for me. So he was always checking up on me and making sure I was going to make it. But, um, obviously I had no choice, but I, uh, you know, I, I would have done anything to stay here. So that's, uh, no, no issues. What was it like playing for coach Barry? Um, gosh, coach Barry is, is one of, if not the best college coaches, um, you know, out there just from a personal standpoint, just, he truly cares about you as an individual and, um, you know, on and off the field, he, he'd check up on me in the summer, my freshman year and last summer and, and just make sure everything was, was going, um, going, you know, the right way. And, um, gosh, it was just so, so many good memories, you know, playing for him and, uh, just him at, at the helm was, um, the best thing I could ask for. And we saw your family quite a bit in the roost. I mean, how, how awesome was it to have the family support that you had? Yeah, absolutely. They, they loved it down here just as much as me and, uh, they couldn't get enough of it. So they actually got an apartment down here this, this year and, and pretty much we're at every single game. Um, but yeah, no, it, it kind of made this place feel even more like home. And, um, it just, it made it, made it awesome playing, playing in front of them every, every single day. And how special is it playing at Pete Taylor Park? No, I mean, that place is, that place is awesome. Um, you know, it's a, it's, you know, one of the best parks in college baseball. I grew up in Minnesota. I don't think I ever went to a college game and, uh, certainly didn't expect there to be, you know, 3,000, 3,500 fans, um, at a college baseball game day in and day out. And that just made it that much more special playing in front of those people and the support that they, they had for us. And, just had our back through uh through everything really and it's just it's fun to play for kind of a small community even though Hedgeburg isn't the smallest city they really make it feel small and just give you the support that that um you know you hope for well you came on to the scene in uh 2017 in a major way uh, you could, we could tell that you were going to be special the first time you stepped on the year, but one of the most decorated years that we've, we've had for a player here at Southern Miss, you're the NCBWA freshman hitter of the year, D1 baseball and baseball America named you the freshman of the year, and your team, uh, had a 50 win season and got to host a regional. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that first year at Southern Miss. Yeah, I mean, I definitely had an adjustment to make coming in, and I knew that, and, um, just having guys like, Dylan Bordeaux and Taylor Braley to help you out with that is, uh, you know, those, they really got me through it and got my head, head pointed in the right direction. I'd, I'd seen one or two guys in my life throw above 86 miles an hour coming in. So that was a huge adjustment I had to make, seeing some velocity and, uh, those guys just helped me through it and the coaches did too. And, uh, just helped me have the success I had. But 
obviously that was one of the, one of if not the most memorable years being here. And, um, it just, it kind of helped me believe in myself and, and, uh, definitely helped my success moving forward. But it was, uh, gosh, it was so fun, but just heartbreaking at the end, losing, losing our regional at one thirty in the morning. That's something I'll never forget. And, uh, just kind of drove me to work hard moving forward. Um, that's, uh, but that that was an awesome year hosting a regional and and just you know having some of the success that I was fortunate enough to uh, have. You also got to spend some time uh, with USA Baseball. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, um, it's a really humbling experience just playing with the best guys um, in the country and just bouncing ideas off them and and baseball thoughts off them is. Uh, you know that that definitely helped me mature as a baseball player and and uh helped me you know um move along with my development it was just it was a really fun experience really cool experience and um you know after last year I went to the Cape Cod League after and that was more or less of the same it was just a, a grind over the summer but the the best summer I've ever had just playing baseball and and um kind of getting to experience what a little bit of a taste of what pro ball might be like let's talk about this season see so you started out the year you kind of uh tweaked your arm a little bit battled and battled an injury for the first you know few weeks but once you got going i mean you really lit it up and became southern miss all-time home run leader finishing your career with 58 home runs tell us about the moment that you broke that home run record did that mean anything to you are you more of a team guy or yeah, I, mean, I definitely want to be a team guy, but um, that was definitely special. Uh, going in that Sunday, I knew that uh, there was a definite possibility that I could be my last game at the Pete, and uh, I kind of wanted to do something special. And uh, I just had a lot of confidence that weekend and just hit the, the tying homer my first at-bat and got walked, I think, three times. And um, in the ninth inning, I had my last at-bat, and my uh, – I. I really can't believe I, I hit that one out, but my last my last ever homer or last ever at bat at my high school field was a home run. So uh, wow. in the back of my mind, I wanted to make the last uh, at bat if if that was going to be it, a home run at Pete Taylor Park, and uh, that was definitely in the back of my mind. And I can say I I think I think God just helped me get that one out of the park because I've I it's really hard to try and hit a homer and actually hit one, and it happened somehow. Well, the Conference USA Tournament, you know, back in Biloxi, always a great time. And I can't think of a time, I'm sure it's happened at some point, but it's very, very rare for the Golden Eagles to go into the Conference Tournament and sweep it and just run right through it. And after that, you know, ninth inning in the first Rice game, the team just caught fire. Tell us a little bit about the tournament and kind of the emotion around the team as they uh, won the championship. Yeah, that that was definitely the most special Conference USA tournament I've been a part of. Um, you know, Coach Barry told us straight up, you know, if you guys want to get into a regional, get 40 wins, um, which is kind of always the team's goal, and and hopefully beyond that. But 40 wins and, and getting into a regional is is a huge accomplishment in this game. Um, he just said, you know, you guys are gonna have to win the tournament, and being down four one, two outs, two strikes um, to Rice you know i still believed in our guys but you know i think you're crazy if you if you know you're going to win that game and just the ability to climb back from that with some 
some key at-bats from Freddie and, and Storm to uh, come back and win that game just kind of helped us believe in ourselves. And we, we really did. Just had more confidence than anyone in that tournament and and really just rolled through it. And it was it was a lot of fun. Biloxi is such a fun place to play. That's always the most fun uh, weekend of the year. And uh, we were able to play with confidence and just kind of relax while doing it, which is when you play your best baseball typically. So that was uh, pretty surreal just that, you know, we knew what we needed to do and, and we went out there and did it. But there's so, you know, there's so many times it, at Southern Miss where it seems like the back is against the wall and, and, and the Eagles just come back. They Pete Taylor Park magic, they call it at home. But we saw some of that even in the postseason. What do you attribute that to? Just the the fight that the Eagles bring, um, you know, Southern Miss is it just takes pride in, in never giving up, and especially Southern Miss baseball. I can't speak, you know, necessarily for other sports, but I'm sure hopefully they have the same mentality. But we we just never give up, and I always believe in our guys. And and when uh, when you do that, special things happen. Um, you know, I I just kind of remember that my freshman year when we had Florida Atlantic at home. I think we had two walk off wins in a row after being down in the eighth inning or ninth inning and uh had two of those in a row and ever since then it's a real thing i promise you and um just believing in each other and and having that faith that somebody's going to come up with a big hit and and win it and um very few times has uh has it not happened it seems like in when we really needed it the baton rouge regional was this past weekend uh i can't think of a time i can't think of too many times where I was not more proud to be a Golden Eagle with how you guys battled, especially on that final day, bouncing back down 10 to two, coming back to defeat Arizona State, who has a couple of guys that are, you know, major leaguers. Two of them, at least two of them were drafted, uh, this past week and come back to win that game and then battle and take LSU all the way to the wire. Tell us a little bit about this experience in the Baton Rouge regional. Yeah. The box is such a fun place to play and. And um, just playing in front of that many fans is, is really gives you a taste of uh, kind of the big leagues almost. It's it's um it's really special. But uh, the, about the only thing I was disappointed is that is uh, the people in, in right field didn't get after me as as much as I thought they might have. <laughs> but they were uh, they were fun to play in front of. They definitely got after me. But I thought I thought I was going to be shaking out there. But it, it was all good. But no, that was so much fun. I mean, uh, the fifth inning against Arizona State, the first game just. I think we scored 11 with two outs and just had storm started us that inning and, um, you know, pitchers really stepped up and our bats came alive and, um, you know, fell up, fell short against LSU twice, but we really fought hard. And, and Josh Lewis really, <laughs> if you would have told us we were only giving up six runs to LSU that game after playing three games and, and the game before using a lot of our pitchers and we just had some guys step up and give us a chance in that game and just proud of our guys for, for um, battling uh, the whole way through, and I, I never really thought we were out of it, even when we were down. Um, you know, and that the, with Gidry up in the ninth, uh, but uh, as well as when we were down ten two to Arizona State, that kind of just showed the Golden Eagle mentality and and just what what we're all about. What did it mean to you to wear the black and gold? Um, everything. I mean, I love this place. This place is home to me. Um, it's just it's it's. I hate to, uh, you know, not wear it anymore going forward, but I will uh, definitely be the the Eagles' biggest supporter. And this place gave me everything, and 
and just so humbled and happy to be a part of it. Um, it's just, it's just a pride that, that you wear with you out in the field. And, um, it's just couldn't be, couldn't be more fun. I, I loved every single minute of it. I really did. Well, tell us about this 2020 Golden Eagle baseball team that's coming back next year. What do you see for this team? You know, I've, I've heard some really good things about the recruits coming in. Um, I think we're going to have a good amount of freshmen and maybe just a couple of Juco guys. So I think we're going to need some freshmen to step up, which, which I've heard really good things about it from the coaches. And we've definitely got some returners that are definitely going to, going to keep going. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to watch them. I think, um, all the way through it, it might be a more complete team, even more so than we had this year. So I think, uh, I think some people are going to be surprised by next year's team and I'm really excited to watch them. It's going to be, it's going to be crazy not being a part of it. Um, but, uh, I have a really good feeling about next year. I really do. So let's talk about the twins. What does Matt Warner bring to the Minnesota twins organization? Um, I just think a lot of, a lot of hard work and, and, um, just, just pride, um, pride to be proud to be a hometown guy and, and really wear that, uh, TC on, uh, with my heart and around my heart. And, um, I just couldn't be happier to be a part of that organization. And I, I think, um, it's going to be a really good spot for me to be in. And I couldn't, again, I couldn't be more excited. It's been a dream since I was five years old. So um, I think uh, they're definitely not going to be disappointed in Matt Walner. What do you anticipate your role being with the organization? Um, I mean, I'm sure I'll continue in right field. And and uh, I'll, I think I'll either start maybe in, in Elizabeth in Tennessee or Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and just hope to continue to hit for power and, and um, you know, try and uh, – grind out opposing pitchers but i'm just um i'm just ready to to get going and and uh, i wish it was tomorrow really i really do <laughs> well, what areas of your game do you need to work on um i mean a lot pro ball is going to be a different animal it's just going to be a growing process just like it was here at southern miss um we're going to be seeing a lot of a lot of quality arms and and um just a so many, so many good players. So it's, I'm just going to have to figure out the, uh, you know, the pro ball mentality and, and, um, you know, adjust my game as it, it moves on. But I think uh, I'm definitely ready and, and feel good about where I'm at. Well, you know, you're already a golden Eagle legend. Uh, the black and gold nation is, is already dusting off their twins caps to put back on. Do you have any final words for the Southern Miss and the Minnesota Twins fans out there? Uh, just thank you to the Southern Miss fans. You guys brought me in. Uh, the, I think the first ever Minnesota kid that you guys brought in, and uh, couldn't be more thankful for your support through the three years. And and um, it's a crazy journey to get down here, but I wouldn't change one thing. Um, you know, they they really had our backs, um, thick and thin. And just thank you, and, and can't wait to get going with the Twins. That was the newest Golden Eagle to head to the Minnesota Twins in a long line of Golden Eagles going to Minnesota Twins. Matt Walner. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Walner. 
All right, let's shut it down. You can follow us on Twitter at to the top talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington. You can follow Jason at Bumper J Bailey on Facebook and Instagram as well. Let's give our shout outs. Shout outs to college sports unfiltered.com. You guys go check them out. Shout out to the men of Sigma Chi, the Theta Delta chapter. Shout out to the men of Pi Kappa Phi, the Theta Alpha chapter, the newest Patreon here at to the top talk. Shout out to our man Drew Wick. Sling in the graphics. Jason, you got any shout outs? Not necessarily any shout outs, but just one final um, thought, I think. And, and, and that there's, there's just a, after this baseball thing, man, there's a momentum. There's a feeling of optimism in the air for Southern Miss fans. Um, and, you know, I, I hope that anybody listening will, will go ahead and try to, and, and do what they can with Eagle Club, do what they can with season tickets. You don't got to do a lot. Do what you can. Maybe next year you try to do a little bit more. Go ahead and restart recruiting right now for people to get their butts in the, in the stands at the Rock come September. Let's make that place a special place to play again. All right, a couple of announcements. Uh, like I said at the start of the show, Hub City Comedy's ninth anniversary show is going to be at Brewski's in Hattiesburg on this Friday, June the 7th at 8 p.m. Tickets are $5. Last for Life, the big cancer benefit show. This year with Frank Caliendo and special guest Keith Alberstadt, it's going to be at the Sanger Theater in Hattiesburg on Friday, August the 2nd. Tickets are on sale now. You can still vote for To the Top Talk for Best Local Podcast and this year's Best of the Pine Belt Awards. I don't know when voting's coming to an end, but you can vote once a day per email address, per IP address. So vote early and often, and uh, they'll let you know when you can't vote any, anymore. <laughs> if you want to sponsor the show, if you want to show some love to the show, Check it out, patreon.com slash to the top talk. Now, let's talk about this. So we've come to the end of the sports year here at Southern Miss, and I'm going on vacation coming up. Jason, is, I'm sure, is going to have some vacays and whatnot happening, but we're not going to let you leave you guys hanging with the show this year. We've got interviews that uh, we're going to have set up uh, throughout the summer until we get back into the swing of football. We've got some great guests coming up the next few weeks. So it may not be me and Jason on the show every week, but we are planning to have some really, really solid interviews. I got one. I've got a really fun one that I'm going to bring out of the archives, uh, due to that I never aired on to the top talk, but it is <laughs> it's due to one of the opponents we're playing this year. I had an amazing podcast a couple of years ago and, uh, we're going to break that out for you guys. I think it'll be a lot of fun. So we're going to have some different interviews. We've already got some already lined up. We've got some recorded already and, and ready to roll. So we're not going to leave you guys hanging this summer, like I said. So keep subscribing to the Top Talk. Go to iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Leave us a rating and review. Jason, do you have any final thoughts before we get to the summer? Oh, man, just looking forward to uh, getting things going on. Get, go ahead. Hey, we're not that far away from getting the, for making sure we got all the tailgate stuff ready and, and pulling that stuff out of the attic. So... Um, it's a good feeling going into the summer, and I'm looking forward to football. If you like the show, tell your friends. If you don't like the show, tell your friends. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk.